Hebrews 11, verse 28. By faith, he, that's Moses, kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Okay, so we, we've been, if you've been with us, we've been kind of going through this chapter for several weeks. We've been looking at all these different events and people who the writer singles out in the Old Testament. Look, by faith, see what happened here. By faith, see what happened there. See what happened with this one and that one. And we see again, in effect, the story focuses today on the Exodus, or what we would talk about as the Exodus from Egypt. All the way through from leaving Egypt all the way to the point 40 years later when they enter the land and they capture Jericho. But I want us to zoom back out again. What is the writer wanting to communicate? What is he saying to the people he goes? The whole chapter is one statement after another, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. But he, he comes in to the chapter like this, in chapter 10, verse 39. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. And he says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Then he goes on to say, look at, all, look at all the different things that happened. Look at all the ways their faith was displayed. And he's going to go on to say, as he launches into chapter 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. You see, the, the writer to the Hebrews is so concerned, understand. We're those who are brought in by grace, through faith, into salvation. We're those who don't shrink back. We're those who have faith and are saved. That's why he goes and looks at all these different ones. Look, see what happened there with Enoch, with Noah, with, with Abraham. And today with, with Moses and the people of Israel and with Joshua and with Rahab. He's giving them a great exhortation and encouragement as he's going to go on to say it's by faith so therefore lift your eyes off up yourself and fix your eyes on him the one in whom our faith is perfected the one in whom we can believe the one in whom we can trust believe him 
The writer's giving example after example of the fact it is God who saves. It is God who does the impossible. It is God who chooses who he chooses and uses who he pleases. And so we do here see some more familiar stories from the Old Testament. But the writer's exhorting his readers to faith. He's exhorting our readers. We're called to run this race with perseverance fixing our eyes on Jesus. With the recognition it's so easy to have our eyes drawn elsewhere, and particularly our eyes drawn to ourselves. But today we're going to focus on this key point. I'll probably say it several times. It's not about you, it's about him. Trust him and obey. <laughs> kids, you might remember last week at Kids Corps. I believe, I, I've, I've been told that I wasn't at Kids Corps, but Nikki was at Kids Corps and Andrew and Anna were both at Kids Corps. They tell me you were talking about where is your faith? Where is your faith? What is your faith put in? Who is it that we can trust? Can we have faith because we do the right thing or we do this well or, or do we trust Jesus? I think. Something along those lines. So you, you kind of already know some of what I'm going to say, I think. So kids, if you can keep hold of this one phrase today, in fact everyone, if you can keep hold of this one phrase, this is what it's about. Our faith is in Jesus. It's not about you. It's about him. Trust him and obey. You see, we see these great examples. When God's people fix their eyes on him, when they trust him, when they believe him, see what God can do. So to highlight that, as we look through these verses, I'm going to highlight five thoughts that can form for us when our eyes actually get distracted and get fixed on ourselves. We're going to recognize that faith enables us. As we fix our eyes on him, we can press on. We can lift our eyes away from ourselves. Trust him and press on. Okay, firstly, first thought that can creep into our minds. I don't deserve it. What do we see in verse 28? Wrong page. Verse 28, by faith the people... Sorry, that's verse 29. By faith, he, Moses, kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. We see our writer reminds his original readers and reminds us of this incredible event that happened as they were leaving Egypt. Moses has gone to Pharaoh. He's, he said, let my people go. Let my people go. Again and again, Pharaoh said, No. And God's brought plague after plague on Egypt, different things that have affected them. And every time, and at different times, Pharaoh's gone, okay, you can go. Actually, hang on, wait a minute. No, no, you can't. And God says, okay, well, here's the, the tenth, the final one. The firstborn in every household's going to die. And we see in this very brief summary the reminder that. When that happened, the firstborn of the Israelites did not die. 
Because by faith, Moses and the people kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the firstborn of Israel weren't destroyed. The Israelites are told, take a lamb, a lamb without blemish. Kill the lamb and spread the blood on the door. Then you're going to have a special meal with this lamb. You're going to have this special meal that you'll, you'll have every year. You'll remember for, for generations. But take the blood, spread it on the door. It's a sign God will pass over that house. When he sees the blood on the door, he will pass over. You see this wonderful picture, the lamb dies in their place. Because he sees the blood on the door. I pass over that house. The firstborn in that house isn't going to die. The lamb has died in their place. I don't deserve it. No, they didn't. No, we don't. The lamb died instead. See, we can see this picture and we can recognize not now for us a young sheep, a lamb, not for us any longer blood painted on the doorposts. But now, as John the Baptist cried out, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, the lamb who dies in our place, who makes a way. This wonderful picture, just a reminder. Look, this is what happened with the Passover. By faith, the firstborn of the Israelites survived. By faith, the lamb died in their place. They didn't deserve it. But God chose them and said, I'm bringing you out. I'm going to save you. And the lamb dies in your place. But for us now, we see Jesus. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God who died in our place. And rightly we can cry, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. It's his grace. By faith, like the Israelites here, by faith. His grace. You can't earn it. We can't earn our way to be saved, to be free from this, from, this, from sin. So in one sense, this is a right thought. I don't deserve it. It's his grace. And yet we can object. Oh, therefore, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm, I'm grateful for his grace. But how, how can I serve him? How can I live for him? I should just hide away. See, the enemy can sneak in and plant this lie. and cause us to look inward and say, see, you're unworthy. What the writer to the Hebrews is, is banging on about, is going on again and again. No, don't do it. Look up and see him. Look up and see the Savior. See the truth. It's not about you. It's about him. Trust him and obey. Trust him. Trust his truth. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. See, we don't deserve it, and yet he has made us new. Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. We don't deserve it, but our sins have been removed. We can read in Ephesians chapter 1. 
And verse 4, the glorious truth, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. So the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. We don't deserve it, and yet he has chosen us. If you're in Christ, you are a new creation. If you're in Christ, he has done it. You see, the truth that the writer of the Hebrews is keeping, emphasizing, see, it's our Savior who calls. No, you don't deserve it, and yet I've chosen you, and I call you, come, run this race. Fix your eyes on me. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Understand, it's not about you, your worthiness somehow. It's about him. Trust him and obey him. See, we can slip into this way of thinking, I, oh, I don't deserve it, I'm not worthy. I can't possibly. But by faith, God wants us to lift our heads. Take the encouragement of the writer to recognize, no, I don't deserve it. But my king has died in my place. The lamb of God has died in my place. And he set my feet on a rock. And he says, now come live by faith. Come and follow me. So firstly, I don't deserve it. Secondly, you think, I couldn't do that. Verse 29, by faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do it, they were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched round them for seven days. You see, the author reminds the people of some incredible things here. The sea opened up and they walked through. Jericho's walls just fell. They just fell. (laughs) No, I could never do that. That must be special faith or some kind of special person. Depart the sea, make the walls fall down. No, 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 I could never do that. And again, like in the first instance, you'd be right. No, you could never do that. Only so much as neither could Moses, neither could Joshua. They couldn't do these things in that sense of the words. They can't kind of push the sea back and kind of say, right, okay, now you stay there. Wait, no. Couldn't kind of make out of human effort, oh, walls, come on. But we can look. Oh, I can never do that. Look, the thing with the sea, the walls of Jericho, wow. No. We've been encouraged through this chapter, through Hebrews 11, and again here, to look, believe God, and see, look what God can do. Look what God can do. You see, it's so easy to, as our gaze falls on us, and our gaze comes off of Jesus, to just start comparing. To just start comparing and think, wow, yeah, Moses, he was a great guy. Look what he did. Look what Moses did. Look what Joshua did. Look what they did. I could never do that. And we miss it. And we miss it. And we, we miss the fact we just start thinking, golly, Moses was special, wasn't he? 
we miss it. Who parted the sea? Who made the walls come down? Who was it who saved that person who got invited to Alpha? Who was it who healed that person? Who was it who provided everything for this building, for us to get to be in this building? Who's intervened in life after life, in situation after situation, down through centuries? Well, God did. It's God. It's God who does the impossible. It's God who saves. It's God who heals. It's God who brings his people out through the Red Sea. And it's God who brings his people into the promised land at Jericho. See, we need to get hold of these two little words and understand it's by faith. It's by believing God. See, it's so easy to get drawn and say, oh, Moses looks so impressive, or Joshua looks so impressive, I could never do that. And even as we fix our eyes, no, of course, it was by faith that they did it. We can just turn and think immediately, well, the problem is I don't have enough faith. But it's still focusing on us. You see, primarily... My faith is recognizing it's not about me and my ability. It's not about me and how well I can do. It's recognizing God and who he is. And therefore, well, how much can I trust him? Because he's incredible. Look what he can do. Therefore, yes, I am trusting him. I can trust him. See, what is it that the people are credited with doing? They believe God. It's by faith. You see, in the story at the Red Sea, Moses holds up his staff and God sends a wind to blow. And the wind blows through the night. And God provides a path. God parts the sea. God provides the path. And what do the people do? The people walk. They walk through on the path that God has provided. By faith. At Jericho, what do the people do? God says walk round. And what do they do? They walk round. They walk round some walls. As God has said, marching round, shouting out, what what, what is this going to do? It's what God said. It's what God said. And God makes the walls come down. It's by faith. You see, when our eyes fix on ourselves, fear can creep in. I couldn't do it. I'm not good enough. Well, we'll leave that to the experts. Leave that to those who are somehow special. Now, of course... We can talk maybe another time about specific gifting and anointing and even different personalities and how God can use different people in different ways at different times. But ultimately, we're all called to live by faith. For in Christ, we're all called to live by faith, to be part of his body, to be his witnesses. We can fearfully think introspectively, oh, I don't think I could. I don't don't have to, do I? There's grace, isn't there? Instead of truly seeing the glorious truth, we get to be a part of it. We get to be a part. Because Jesus has saved us and brought us in, we get to be part of this. Here is the grace of God. But fear can creep in. Oh, I can't see that person saved. I better leave that to to someone else. See, Linda and Michelle, they're so good. They go out on a Friday or some other time. They go and they're so good at talking to people. I'll leave it to them. Now, Michelle and Linda do a great, great, God's called them to go, they've responded to God and they're going. But it doesn't mean that they're somehow the experts and that we should leave, leave it to them. 
I will leave it to the Alpha team. Because the point is, actually, no, they can't save them either. The whole point is, God says, trust me. Maybe in a particular situation, God will say, trust me, I just want you to go and speak to them. I just want you to go and give them an invite. What we're called to do is trust him, to believe him in every situation. Or we could think, I couldn't face what they faced. That illness or losing that loved one or, or whatever it may be. Or whatever I'm facing now. I, I know looking at someone else, I can see they press through in faith so, or they're pressing through in faith so well. I just don't think I can. Actually, the point is, it's not that they can somehow. It's by the grace of God he gives us strength by faith to keep taking another step. We can so easily say, I can't. I can't do it. What what does God say? Believe me. Believe me. Trust me. Believe me. By faith, the sea, they walk through the sea. By faith, they, they cross the Red Sea. By faith, the walls did come down. It's what God does. So don't fear, oh, oh have, I, have I got it in me to face this? No, because it's, it's not about you. It's about him. Trust him and obey. So I believe today God wants to deal with fear and doubts and enable us to walk forward in faith because we fix our eyes on him. Number three. See, almost the flip side of that, we can get into a way of thinking as we focus on ourselves. Ha, I can do it. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. You see, it's easy to think, oh no, they've got it sorted, they can do it. I, I can't do it. But it's also easy to get into that place to pridefully think, actually, I've got it, so I can do it. I can do it. I've got it sorted. I'm the answer. The author points out here, no, it is only by faith. The people pass through, the Egyptians don't. He makes a massive point of remembering this. Yeah, well, you see what that was. That was our superior walking technique, of course. We walked through very cleverly. Or, in fact, that was because we just invented these water-repellent force fields. We had it. Or even just, we're clearly better than them. No. They were powerless. It was only by faith. It was only trusting God. It was only because he was in control. When our eyes turn to us, we can so easily get to thinking... I can do this. I can do this in my own strength. I've got the skills. I've got the personality. No, we're called to trust God. To recognize on our own, we can do nothing. To recognize, as it says in Romans 3, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. Let's look at that in Romans 3, verse 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. 
This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. You see, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It's excluded. Because of the law? The law that requires work? No, because of the law that requires faith. He's done it. He's won us. He's made the way. It's his grace. All have sinned and fallen short. Do I have it? Am I, am I the answer? No, I'm not the answer. He is the answer. But turning inwards, focusing ourselves, it's so easy. Comparisons start, either I'm no good, or actually, I am pretty good. In one sense, it's all the same. It's all pride. It's all focusing on ourselves. Therefore, it is so key that we keep coming back and we see it is not about us. It's about him. Trust him and obey. I believe today God wants to deal with issues of pride for us. To draw us to a point to repent. To throw it off. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Lift our eyes again to him. That we may press on in faith. It's not about you. It's about him. Trust him and obey. Number four. I'll look stupid. Verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. The people arrive at Jericho. They've had 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. God comes and says, look, now we're going in. Going in. Joshua, lead the people in. And here's the plan. Jericho, big fortified city, very strong, big walls. It's defended. And you're going to walk round. Going to walk round. Walk round the city. Okay, yeah, uh, we're just walking round. We'll look stupid. They'll laugh at us. They'll think we're idiots. You see, when we're thinking too much about us, the fear of man and what others think can so easily paralyze us. It's so easy to get into that thinking, well, what would they think? Oh, look, daft, I won't fit in. It's true for all of us. It must have been, it must have been such a temptation for the Israelites at that moment. You, what? what? Joshua, you're telling us we're going to walk around the walls every day. Walk, just Walk. A, what's that going to do? And B, we're just going to look like idiots. It's true for all of us, but... (laughs) 
in every situation. But I want to encourage specifically teenagers, school and college, going off to university, all these different environments, this can seem so tough. I remember it seeming very tough. I wanted to fit in. I didn't really fit in anyway, but you know. But I would encourage you, make that stand. I'm following Jesus. People knew I was a Christian at school to some degree. I made a stand at different times. I remember particularly I played rugby at school. Uh, and again and again they would ask me, oh, come and come and play for the rugby club. We play on Sundays. I remember again and again saying no. But I also remember again and again being really apologetic and kind of, oh, no, I can't, oh, I can't come. I can't possibly come. I want to encourage you, all of us, actually, we don't need to be apologetic. We don't need to shy away from saying, actually, no, I've got something that's a lot better than playing rugby on a Sunday morning. This is real life. This is truth. We know God. This is fantastic. Now, I'm not making a specific judgment on whether you play something on a Sunday morning or whatever. That's not the point. But we can believe him. He's called us into something so much better. And the truth is, yes, this is hard. We might, in those kind of situations, we might look stupid with work colleagues. We might look stupid with our school friends. We might look stupid, in our minds, to our neighbours. But actually, we're following God. He is so much bigger. And what he offers is so much better. It's so easy to think, I'm going to look stupid. Everyone's going to think I'm an idiot. Everyone's going to look, think badly of me. I can bear out when we're talking to friends, or oh, where's this conversation going? It can bear out. It can bear out on a Sunday morning. I feel God speaking to me, but I'm not going to share that. I'm not going to share it. What? What? Someone else is going to think about it? And someone else is going to think, why, why are you opening your mouth? Are people going to think, oh no, I... It can be so easy to think, I'm just not going to go there. But again, it's not about you, it's about him. Trust him and obey. The answer is to look to him. To fix our eyes on Jesus and understand more how great he is, how great it is that we're following him. I believe God also wants to deal today with issues of concern for our reputation, of, of fear of what others will think of us. When those things step, stand in the way of us stepping out in following God. Number five, very quickly. God can't use someone like me. Verse 31, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. How could God use someone like me? There could be all sorts of reasons for thinking that. There could be all sorts of things that you just think, there's no way God can use me in any meaningful way. The author's very keen to remind us, God used Rahab. 
In the whole city of Jericho, God leads the spies to Rahab, a Gentile prostitute who he used to help them escape from the city and complete their part in taking the city. And we see Rahab is saved out of the wreckage. Rahab's the one saved out of the wreckage. We see this throughout Scripture. God chooses who he chooses. God is perfectly allowed. There's a better word. God's allowed to choose who he wants to. If you're in Christ today, you're saved by his grace. You can know he has chosen you. So can't he use you? Let's turn the question around. Can't he use you? As we gather in worship on a Sunday, as we believe God will bring encouragement through spiritual gifts, through reading scripture, is that only through others? Again, teenagers, children, others amongst us, all of us, God can speak to you. I know God speaks to different ones of you. I would encourage you. God can use you. God can use you. And we want to hear it. In speaking to our friends about Jesus, can God only use others in that? No, he can use you. In tough Life situations, can God, only strengthen, can God not strengthen you as, he's, as you've seen God strengthen others in difficult situations? No, he can. He's with you. He's for you. He's chosen you. And so I believe God wants to deal with any sense of God could never use me this morning. Because remember, as we've said throughout, it's not about you. It's about him. Trust him and obey. Believe him. Believe his word. Believe the truth that he declares. Can we stand together? I believe God does want to meet with us. He wants to deal with some of these things. Enable us, as the author goes on to say, to fix our eyes on Jesus and to run the race with perseverance. To throw off any sense, oh, I'm not worthy, I couldn't, I couldn't possibly, I'm not as good as them. Any comparing, any fear, any sense of, oh, well, it's, I don't have to, do I? Now, hear me right on that. I'm not kind of saying, I'm not kind of going against, I'm saying this is what grace is about. Yeah, God's done it. We can't earn our way. And yet, therefore, that means we get to be involved. We get to play a part. We get, God, God wants to use you. So in that sense, I believe God wants to challenge the attitude of, I don't have to, though, do I? I don't have to. Not because you do have to. Because he wants to flip things around. I get to. I get, to, I, get to, I get to hear from God. I get, to, I get to give. I get to 
I get to run this race. I get to press. I get to tell my friends about Jesus. I get to. I get to do all these things. Ultimately, I believe God wants us to lift our eyes and see our King. And recognize truly, yes, I know I don't deserve it. But He has won me. He has died in my place. And by His grace, I get to be a part of what He is doing. I get to live by faith, serving my Jesus.